Welcome to Hope Assembly of God Online. We believe no matter the journey, there is always hope. This is a recording of our live Sunday sermon, unedited, uncut, real. Good morning, everyone. It's so nice, so nice to have you with us this morning. Happy Grandparents Day to all the grandparents, to the grandchildren, and happy grandparents to those who will one day be grandparents. This is, in my mind, one of the greatest days I could ever have. Now, today is a special day because actually everyone that is here, you get to do something that you cannot do at home at all, but you get to do it today. You get to have your dessert before your meal. And there is no guilt and no one's going to point fingers, no one's going to spank you or say, don't do that until, no, you get to have it today. Matter of fact, you can have cake. You can have cupcakes, you can have coffee, you can enjoy yourself. So you're all invited to join us after, after the service. The service today, the sermon today is from the perspective of a 60-year-old, almost 60-year-old man who has been the lead pastor, German teacher, human resource director, lead chaplain, and I am now the administrative pastor here, and I love every portion of my life. I've also enjoyed being Ginny's husband. I love being my children's father. But the crowning joy, and all the things I said are mas importante, which is not German, sehr wichtig, very important, is the fact that I'm a grandfather. I love being a grandfather. The pastor has said it before, and I'll, I'll repeat myself. My house has turned from the house of no. That's the vocabulary. I had two words. That was all the words I ever needed to speak to my kids. It was always no. No, you can't do this. No, you can't. No, we won't. It has become, yes, yes, you can do this. You can have ice cream before you eat, absolutely. So this is, this, is, this is where we are. The title of the message is simply this, not even though yet I will. It's a sermon that I've been working on for over a year. When you listen to it, you may say, boy, you should have worked on it for two years. But there's, there's so much in my heart that I want to bring out, and I don't want to miss anything because... Part of what I want to do today is to challenge you and to stir your heart because we, we were singing about the Lord of angel armies. And there's one thing that we do, but sometimes I think we relegate it into the closet and we relegate it to the emergency, and that is prayer. Prayer is the most important thing that we can do. Finding our knees, standing somewhere, anything. Prayer is the one thing that we can do because we connect with the Lord of angel armies. We are not just talking to the air and there's this... The ceiling is holding up? No, absolutely not. Grandmas and grandpas, when you and I pray for our grandchildren, we connect with God. God gave us this opportunity. One of my sources for the sermon is my son, who for the last 22 years has been a youth pastor. He's now the, the lead or the supervising pastor for the next generation, which now means from, from the nursery all the way through high school, those pastors that are there doing that and the staff and everything, those are his responsibilities. So I plug into that resource. I ask questions of my son. Another resource is a book I'm, I've been reading by David Schrader. It's entitled The Lion, the Church, and the Warfare. And it's, a, it's an alarming book. Another part of my resources is a 60-page research paper done by One Hope. It is about 
today's global youth culture and what the youth of today faces. And if you think we've had it hard, we've had nothing that compares to this. This is an alarming statistic that you are going to hear. The pressure that the kids are under today academically or politically or otherwise is enormous. And so we do need to plug in to the Lord of angel armies. We do need to lift up our kids by prayer. We do need to share with, with the Lord. Not that he doesn't know, but you know what happens when we pray? We become stronger in our faith. And the one thing that we have is we have the opportunity to lead our, our grandchildren before the Lord. There's a story that was told and. It has to do with a cruise ship. I've never been on a cruise except when we immigrated. No, it's not the Mayflower. It was a ship called the Bremen. It was a wonderful luxury liner, and it's just awesome. I mean, anything that you can eat is like going after church or the fellowship. Well, you could have cake any time of day. I became a cake eater. But as the people were watching, they were, they were going to the Caribbean. This surprise wave came and swept over the ship, and there was this noise, this scream that was heard, and people looked into the water, and they saw this young lady who was swept overboard. And the next thing that you heard is a loud splash, because, and you saw this older man swimming towards her. And he was trying to keep her afloat before the rescue ship came. And as they came on board, he came up front because the captain gave, gave him the opportunity to maybe to say a word. And he said, the only question I have is, who pushed me? <laughs> so part of what I'd like to do today is to maybe push you a little bit. Not that you haven't been praying, but to just to, to remind us that, yes, we are older, and yes, we hurt, and there are many things that we cannot do. The thing I love to do is mow my yard. That, that is the thing that I love to do, but I can only, I can mow it, but I have to take frequent stops to empty my grass bag because now it can only be a third full. It used to be able to overfill it. I can't. The moment I go beyond it, my back goes out. Even though I had surgery, I got steel rods in there and screws in there and all that, but I can only do so much. So I had to make a decision. What is it that I can do? Find what it is that you can do. And then what is it that I must do? You see, as my life winds down, I want to concentrate on what I must do. And this one thing I must do, and I must pray. I must pray for this generation like I've never prayed for this generation before. In this book called The Lion, the Church, and the Warfare, Schrader says this, and this is, this is a statement. Whether you want to be or not, whether you are aware of it or not, whether you're actively engaged or not, you are at war. Planet Earth, and especially the humans who live in it, are the battleground of epic, that means gigundous, bigger than big. Of, gig of gigantic and epic proportions, of eternal consequences. In case your view of life on earth is that it's merely a staging ground or a waiting room for the next life, beware of this. You are on a battleground filled with dangerous landmines, and the enemy has planned to destroy you. You need to know about the kingdom of God. So I want to talk to you first about a biblical worldview. We all have a worldview, but do we have a biblical worldview? Now, by, by, by that I simply mean, is the Bible the inerrant Word of God? 
Do I believe that the Bible is the absolute truth? I don't care what man says. I don't care what a politician says. And whatever our flavor is, it really doesn't matter. The thing that matters is the Lord of the host of the armies of God. Is he the one that's in control of our life? Friend, if it isn't, we're missing the boat. If we're not connected with him, then we are disconnected. We are not just misinformed. We are disconnected. My generation, I'm from the baby boomers. So we were born between 46 and 64. 51% of us have a biblical worldview. The next generation is called Generation X. They're born between 1965 and 1980. 42% have a biblical worldview. The generation after that called the millennials. They're from 1981 to 1996. 19% have a biblical worldview. The next generation called Generation Z, between 1997 and 2009, only 4% have a biblical worldview. You see, if we're going to confront the cultural lies of today, then we need to have a solid truth. And the Bible isn't just truth, the Bible is the only truth. Okay, that is the truth that matters. That is the truth that you can read and put into your heart. That's the truth you live by, and that's the truth that will see you through. In the hardest of days, that is the truth that, you, that will allow you to make it. Psalm 119, verse 105 says this, Your word is a lamp to my feet, a light unto my path. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Psalm 119, verse 105. So with that biblical verse in mind, what do you suppose is the most important light? And I'd like to have a response. If you heard it online, well, you heard it online, don't enter in. But what's the most important light in your house? Say it loud. Which one? I can, I can also, I cannot hear, so you have to yell like I'm yelling. Well, let me, let me cut through the chase because you probably said it and I didn't hear it, so I have to add to my list, you can't hear. <laughs> Hearing aid. <laughs> them them Q-tip things you stick into your ear. It's the nightlight. And here's my reason for it. If you've ever stepped on a Lego, <laughs> then you know. That's how important, and if you're a grandparent, you have Legos and all kinds of things in your house, and you will find them at night. <laughs> you see, unless we have a solid understanding of God's Word, we won't understand who it is and who we are that God has created. You see, if we are in fellowship with the Lord of the angel armies, we're in leadership. I'm not talking about ruling. I'm just saying we have access to the throne room of God. We go direct. We don't even check in with the steward at the door. The sergeant of arms has nothing to say to us. He can't hold us away from God. We go directly into the throne room of God, and we have an audience with the Lord of Lords. Now, there's a challenge to taking all that we have learned and, and everything that my, my grandson, I'm glad that he's here, the oldest, the first grandson. That's why my grandpa, he is the one that. Let me share with you how important grandkids are. 
And that's not to embarrass you, buddy, not, not at all, just to say that I'm tickled pink to be a grandfather. When he was three, three and a half years old, we were running around in the yard. And he made this phenomenal statement to me. And I didn't know what to do with it. He said, Appa, why do I have a body? And I was looking for all kinds of cutesy little things. Do you know why we have a body? So we can do the things that we're called to do and do with excellence and service so the next generation can see that number one, our generosity becomes their generosity. Number two, our dedication to prayer becomes their challenge to prayer. And number three, our ability to serve becomes their encouragement to be selfless for the next. You see, every generation has somebody under them that they are responsible for. But the challenge of passing these things on to the next generation is called the second generation syndrome. If you're familiar with the Old Testament book of Judges chapter 2, it has this to say in verses 10 through 12. After that, the whole generation has been gathered to their ancestors. Another generation grew up and knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. That means serve the world. They forsook the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who had brought them out of Egypt and followed and worshipped various gods of the people around them. This aroused the anger of the Lord. You know, it is here at this moment that the parents' passion for God became the children's formalism, but it became the grandchildren's apathy. Being informed is one thing. Being impacted is another. That statement by a three-and-a-half-year-old is still impacting my life. Because then he said this, Appa, chase me. I love that. I have another grandson named Cohen who says, Appa, chase me, and I'm running after him, trying to catch him, and then he does a flip, and I'm almost stripping, tripping over him. <laughs> because what's that guy called with that funny thing that he likes? Sonic, yep, he's Sonic. He's imitating Sonic all day long. <laughs> and Sonic does the flip, he does the flip, then Appa does the flip. The problem is when Appa does the flip, he can't get up. <laughs> so you've seen me doing one of these turn left. You see, wishing it was so doesn't make it so. Frederick Douglass said this, it is easier to build strong children than to fix broken adults. Ponder that. It is easier to build. So when we, and we have done the, the, the game room, and you have done it, we all, that's why I say the we. It's not the royal we, it's all of us. When you take a look at the buckets filled with money, you take a look at the sacrifice for the, for the game room, this is how important youth is. We are doing ministry differently because we want to reach. It's worth it when one child, one young person gives their heart to the Lord. And when that person goes into the ministry and touches millions, it's worth it. It's worth it for us to do things differently. Not the same old thing that we have always done, but different. Let the light come in where, where maybe we had never thought about doing it. Let's do it differently. Technology freaks me out. I was so nervous this morning, but I'd rather hold this and stand here to sit in front of a camera and Facebook Live, and yet I do it weekly, but I do it my way. 
but I have a pastor who challenges me, who loves me, who loves me enough, hear me, who loves me enough to get me out of my comfort zone because it's comfortable when you're familiar. It's extremely comfortable. So I'm nervous now when they talk about the studio. I snuck a peek in there. Alarming things in there. <laughs> Camera and lights and action. Here's what it says in Romans 1, 21 and 25. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. They began to think of foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. They treated the truth of God as a lie. So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself, who is worthy of praise. Here's what it says in Hosea 4, 6. My people are being destroyed because they don't know me. You see, if I know the creator, I know why he made me. You're familiar with Daniel chapter 3, the three Hebrew children. They weren't children anymore. They were young adults or maybe just a little older. But here is what their parents and grandparents told them. They told them this. God is God and everything else is not. You do not stand before nobility. You do not stand before the one who has the power to kill you. And share with him, sir, you have the power to kill us. God has the right to deliver us. But if he doesn't, please understand this. We will not bow down and worship and do what you want us to do. You see, God is God and everything else is not. That is the kind of faith that we need to have. Corey Calhoun made, I think, one of the most powerful statements ever. Neutral is not a direction. In the kingdom of God. You can't just sit there and take it in. We are, we are going to have to be committed. Committed to the one thing that drives us. And that is committed to prayer. Committed to interceding for this generation. The pressure is so horrendous. I asked my son to explain some things. He said, Dad, I don't have the time to walk you through this. But please understand this. Your grandchildren come home and they cry. Because when, when I talk bullying, I remember the bullying at my school was after, after, after school, going home, getting beat up outside the library. Why I like to read is beyond me, but... Because I was accused of calling somebody a bad name. I didn't even know that name. I hadn't even learned that much English yet. And so people like to see get you in trouble. Well, when I got home, it was over with. When I got back to school, well, then we had to deal with it again. So one day my mom said, Uli, why, why, why are you in trouble at school? I said, Mom, I've had enough of this country. Because my mom told me, he said, you don't want to get in trouble. We're going to get kicked out. They're going to send us back to Germany. We don't have a place to stay. We don't have a job. So Uli, stay put, behave. So I got beat up. Well, I had enough of that. I know I'm supposed to turn the other cheek. But let me tell you, after one cheek, I turned the other one. Then what? It's a real dilemma, so I fixed the dilemma. I hit him back. <laughs> I made him turn the other cheek. But that was my generation. Today, kids get canceled. And today, there, there's so much. We had peer pressure. Okay, peer pressure simply means that I have to adjust my values downward in order to fit in. That's not what's going on today. Today, it's peer influence. Okay, peers tell your kids what's going on. It's not the word of God, it's Google that influences the kids. 
Psalm 78, and I'd encourage you to take a listen to Psalm 78, the first eight verses. You, we've, we've gone through verse number four. My people hear my teachings, listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth with a parable. I will utter hidden things, things that were of old that you have heard and known, things that our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from their descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord's power, the wonders he has done. He decreed statutes to Jacob, established the law of Israel, which he commanded the ancestors to teach to their children so the next generation would know them, even their children to the next one, even the ones who aren't born yet. You see, when we pray, we pray, number one, that God would give our grandkids kids the, right, the right mate. We pray for when their children are born into their household that their children would be born again. Why am I going that far ahead? Because I only have so much time left. I want to make sure that my kids, my grandkids know that they are being prayed for. I want them to know that when they go to school, there's somebody who is talking to the Lord of angel armies. Who says, God, watch over them. Send those angels to minister, to watch. May they be filled with your Holy Spirit. You see, there's a lot I can't do, but there's one thing I must do, and that is to pray. That's my responsibility. If I only pray when there is a problem, then I have a problem. And Corey ten Boom said it this way, is prayer your steering wheel or is it your spare tire? I pray that prayer is our steering wheel. You're familiar with this phrase. Finish it for me. Practice makes That's what we say, don't we? Well, can I modify it? Practice makes permanent. Practice makes permanent. You see, what you do when you don't know what to do is you're going to revert back to the thing that you have always done. All habits are learned, good or bad, they're all learned. The more time you spend with something, the more permanent it becomes. Some of you may know the gentleman, you may have listened to his sermons, used to be the pastor of Bethlehem Baptist Church in, in Minneapolis, Minnesota. His name is John Piper, great author, great theologian, great thinker. But he said this, one of the greatest uses of Twitter and Facebook will be to prove, will be to prove at the last day that prayerlessness was not from a lack of time. Let me read it again. One of the greatest, great uses of Twitter and Facebook will be to prove at the last day that prayerlessness was not from a lack of time. You see, our kids are under so much pressure because the truth is being changed. Truth is being redefined. Feelings are stressed over facts. Hitler said this. I know I'm going back in time. I never personally talked to him, but he said this, give me the youth and I will own the world. You see, prayer for the next generation cannot be millimum or millimum, however you say it. I'm from Kansas also. It must be aggressive, travailing without ceasing, urgent, breaking strongholds, fighting prayer. You see, this generation is in a war zone. Satan is real. If you're thinking that he's not, if, if you think that he is this, this ugly guy with red horns and a pitchfork, he is not. He is so sly, he dares to challenge and walk in the courts of heaven to accuse us every single day. 
And you and I need to know that we have a standing with Almighty God, that we're in the presence of God continually. Not because we're perfect, but we have a relationship with Him. And our imperfection is covered by the blood of the Lamb. So when you and I bow our knees and lift up our kids and grandkids, they need to know that the power from heaven will flow in their direction because grandma and grandpa are praying. Their names are lifted up continually. Isn't that the challenge that Paul gave to Timothy? Timothy, he said in 2 Timothy 1.3, Night and day I constantly remember you in my prayer. I remember my father, 2.30 in the morning. Dad was not a quiet pray, pray person. My father was loud. Everyone in the apartment building heard him pray at 2.30 in the morning. That's a good time to sleep, but not for dad. No, 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 no. Dad gets up at 2.30 in the morning every morning. And the first thing for an hour and a half is he is praying. He prayed heaven down and glory filled his soul. And I was in bed laying there. I said, Dad, I'm glad you're praying for me. But man, shut up. Hold your mouth. I did not understand the value. But now when I get up, I do pray. And my challenge is, because my dad is gone, he died. Who will step in his place? It must be me. You see, there are lies and schemes of the enemy now coming at our grandkids, your children, that are there to hurt them. Our grandchildren are exposed to an agenda that you and I have no imagination of. There's a move now afloat that 12-year-olds can make major decisions. They can pick one of 50 different sexual identifiers. And God made them male and female. And then he said, amen, that is good. There's no question. And wherever we are, he made them male and female, and that answers all the questions. You see, gender confusion is a major concern. The rate of suicide between those 13 and age 15 has doubled in the last five years. I cannot afford to be quiet any longer. That's why I must pray. Hear me this morning. There are so many voices clamoring to get our kids' attention, it's unreal. There are so many platforms that my son said, some I've never even heard about. The pressure that is, is that there's just a political thing that's going on where they're trying to change you and I, male and female and mom and dad, change the words to significant adults. I am not a significant adult. I'm a husband. I'm a father, and I am a grandfather, and I will not allow them to change that name. And I may be the only one left, but I will not. I will stand. I will protest. Here's my protest. I'm bended knees looking to the God of the host of the angel armies. Lord, you need to bring about a change. You see, my opinion doesn't matter. My prayers do. The enemy doesn't get access to the next generation because we're going to pray for them, fight for them, and cover them. And my grandkids or your grandkids may not want to know about it. They may not want to hear about it. They may not care if grandpa prays, but grandpa's going to pray. Grandma's going to pray anyways. So when I asked my son, John, how do I pray for this generation? He said, Dad, you need to ask God to fall on this generation like on no other, like he never did on any generation. They need to have an experience with God that is greater than anything, bigger than anything. They need that moment in their life that they can write down and sit down and look at and know that heaven has come down and glory filled their soul. They need to be changed from heaven downward. 
You see, that's the purpose. I don't care how successful my grandchildren will be. I care that they are going to heaven. I care that they will have the power to stand in the evil day. And I need to lock myself in my room and I need to cry out to God and say, God, do you hear me? Am I connecting with you? Because my grandchildren's lives are that important to me. I'm not saying I'm not praying for my kids. I am. They were rascals. Ginny tried really hard to do the right thing, but boy, I messed them up good. They got German in them, 100%. That's not a good thing. I do have a grandson, though. His name is Owen. And Owen is now 13 years old, and I saw a picture of him. Man, if he didn't look like me, I told Ginny, what a handsome man. You see, God is still looking. I'm, I'm almost done, friends. God is looking for gap standers. Having done all therefore to stand, stand. There is a slide I want you to take a look at. It lists the names of all the kids that we had record of here at, at the church. And the reason for the slide, and I'm wearing a T-shirt, and I apologize for that on one hand, but it's just not on my watch. It comes from my son. I asked him to send it to me because I like the message. It's a challenge to stand. It's a challenge to watch. It's a challenge to be aware of how important our role as grandparents is. But there's a scene, if you like to read, or maybe you have seen the movie Black Hawk Down. In that movie, it takes place in, well, I don't know where they filmed it, but it's supposed to be Mogadishu, Somalia. The helicopter, Black Hawk helicopter shot down. There is an American soldier who is captured by the Somalis, by the warlord. But they couldn't send anybody in to rescue him. So they sent a helicopter with a loudspeaker. And the, the helicopter flew in places that were safe so they couldn't be shot down by Stinger-type missiles. And the message that was that you hear, and, and this is going to get a little loud, I apologize. But it said this, Mike Durand, we will not give up. Mike Durand, we will not give up. So when you see these names, I want every child here to know we will not give up. We will pray for you often. I want to say daily. I have all their names written down. If you want a copy, let me know. I'll give you a copy. Add your children, grandchildren's names. We, we didn't mean to miss anyone. Those were just the names we had access to. But that, that is important. That is the list. Write it down like Hezekiah. Take it into the house of the Lord and pray and cover them with prayer. We will not leave you behind. You will not be uncovered by prayer. You will always be covered by prayer. You see, grandparents lead by example. We don't lead by opinion. We have them. We express them to our children, but never to our grandchildren. It'll sink in. It'll catch you. You see, obedience is important. Having an example to follow, isn't that what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 11:1? 1, follow my example. I follow Christ. You see, one generation's compromise, hear me, one generation's compromise will be the next generation's captivity. We don't have time. Here's Proverbs 22.6. Point your kids in the right direction. When they get old, they won't be lost. 
Our prayer life should teach them how to pray. Our generosity should teach them how to give. Our service should literally let them know how to serve. So am I setting up this generation or, I'm, or am I setting them back? The things we do, friends, are important. And, and kids will do things differently. That doesn't mean the next generation has different ideas than we do. That doesn't mean that we are right and they are wrong. That simply means they're doing it different. 18 months ago, we had to do things different. We had to go and use technology that we didn't think about using that early. We, th we thought we have some time. No, we had to do it right then and right there. And I'm writing letters every week to some of the folks who don't have the technology just to stay in touch. Staying in touch is important. You see, my words are bullets or seeds. They're either there to grow, and, 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 and the things we say become the world that we make for our kids. Let's give them a good world. My role is to pray. My role is to be a moment leader. And here's what I mean by that. If you're familiar with the Old Testament book of Numbers, chapter 16, there's a, there's a phenomenal story. And with this, I will close in verses 41 through 48. The people, the children of God were disobedient, and, and, and a disease swept through the camp left and right. Thousands of people were dying left and right. And Moses looked at his brother and said, Aaron, do something. And Moses said, go into, the, go into the tent of the meeting, get the coals from the altar, put them in the, in the decanter, uh, censer, and run amongst the people. And then at the end of that scripture verse, verses, it simply says this, and wherever Aaron stopped, the disease stopped. We know the story of Joshua and Ben-Hur, right? The Midianites, they were, they were coming against Moses. Moses drops his arm. Moses, the, the people of Israel were losing. Friend, we need people to hold our hands. We cannot make prayer just this, okay, like, dear Lord Jesus, bless this food, amen. No. We need to say, God, come down from heaven. Rescue the perishing. This, throw out the lifeline. I used to mock that song. Not anymore. I now have a reason to throw out the lifeline. A generation is depending that someone is there to throw out the lifeline, to reel them back in, to make sure that they are safe. You see, our prayer is important now as it was for the mom and dad who prayed for their children in World War I and World War II. My Oma told me of ways that she prayed for her, her sons. One was in the Navy, the German Kriegsmarine, and the, had a couple U-boats shot out from under him, but he lived. My dad was not sent to the Russian front, but wherever he was, he would never talk about it. But he was like a Green Beret kind of thing. And he was in demolitions. Not one bullet came near him. All I know is that's prayer. We talk to the Lord of the hosts of armies. We have a standing with him. There's a song I would like for us to hear. and It's my heart. It's my prayer for you and for this generation. Would you please? Thank you for listening to Hope Online Podcast. For more information about Hope Assembly of God, go to www.godgivesyouhope.com or download our app in the App Store.